Hello, I'm Hunt Etheridge. I'm an award-winning dating and relationship expert, TV personality, coach, matchmaker, writer, entrepreneur, husband, father, bon vivant, and all-around swell guy. I've been in the love industry for over 15 years and have been following all the ups and downs of today's dating dilemmas. I teach my clients that dating is a mix of biology, psychology, sociology, and anthropology. To understand our motivations, the motivations of the person sitting across from you, and the motivations of society at large, we have to delve into different aspects of it at different times to understand the machinations behind it so we can maximize our benefits. To keep myself updated, I'm constantly reading studies on all sorts of topics that can help me better understand my clients and what's going on out there. I've pulled together some of the most brilliant minds from across different fields to share what the data is telling us and how that can impact each and every one of our lives. This is Hunt for Relationship Science. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Today, I've got one of my favorite people as a guest, Dr. Terry Orbach. We met five six years ago, somewhere around there, and have been in contact ever since. And I love her mind, and she and I like to geek out over all things relationships and studies and science and stuff. So she has been working on some studies that she'll be talking about for a long time with tons of data, and we could have 30 different conversations about the same study and 30 different little bits and pieces of it. But today we'll get in and pull apart a little bit of it and talk about how it relates to our life and then talk about Dr. Terry's books and figure out how they and us and we all can help you guys. So hello, Dr. Terry, and thank you so much for coming back. Oh, thank you, Hunt, and thanks for that nice introduction. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are, what you've been doing these past years and transitioning and, you know, maybe into more of the, the Venn diagram of this, the relationship and the science world as well, too, because um, it's fascinating stuff. Mm, thank you. Well, I'm a psychologist, a marriage and family therapist, a relationship date coach, uh, researcher, and a love doctor in the media, as you know. I have been the project director, though, for a long-term research project. It's called the Early Years of Marriage Project, and it's funded by the National Institutes of Health. And I've been following the same 373 couples now for over 30 years. It's the longest study of its kind in the United States. And when the couples or partners experience divorce or the loss due to death of a partner, we or I continue to follow the individuals over time as well, because we're also interested in the factors that lead to repartnering and how do people adjust and the effects of divorce and the death of a parent, actually, on children as well. So that's the big study. There are Hundreds of journal articles and books out on this study or project, and it has rich, wonderful information that I've been able to translate and disseminate into the public as well. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it touches on 
everything any any aspect of relationships that you're curious about that you want to look into like so much stuff has come from this study and it's become foundational to a lot of the way that we interact um what i'm not saying like say maybe the most interesting but what's like one of your favorite little snippets mm -hmm. that you found in some of these within this large study Right. Well, first of all, I've always been interested, Hunt, as you know, in what keeps people together and happy and what breaks couples apart. So I think the first really interesting and almost surprising finding given that interest is the notion of affirmation. And affirmation is the degree to which we make our partner feel special and cared for and valued and loved. And what I find is that when partners feel affirmed often, regularly, that couple is significantly more likely to stay together over time. And what's even more surprising, and I know we've talked about this, Hunt, is that this was even more important for the mom or husbands in my study than it was for the wives or the women. And what I found is that when husbands said, I feel affirmed often, by my wife or female partner, that couple was almost two times more likely to stay together over time. And that's not surprising that, you know, affirmation is important. But I think what's surprising is that the men craved and needed this affirmation more than the women. And when they didn't get it, it affected the couple and the likelihood of that couple staying together. And when men didn't get that affirmation regularly, often, they looked elsewhere for that affirmation. Yep. So what I like to say for anyone listening is that what I think is important is that you wake up every single day and you give affirmation to your partner. And you can do it through words like, I love you, I care about you, I love you more now than when we first met. You make my life exciting and wonderful. Or you can give that affirmation through actions or behaviors. Acts of service like and all yes. those types of things as well. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So every single day, wake up and do that at least once. Because a lot of people, both inside and outside of relationships, think it's the big things that matter in relationships. And it's really just the everyday small things that are what mm -hmm. predicts long-term happiness. I just was writing an article today on signs you're falling out of love. And I quoted this study as well, too, because I wanted mm -hmm. to talk about bids. Um, and... Bids are exactly kind of like what you were talking about when someone's looking for affirmation or validation and they say something like, look at the bird, right? Now you can answer negatively. I don't have time for that. You can answer neutrally. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's nice, dear. Or you can answer positively. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so cool. What kind? And mm -hmm. you had mentioned that those couples that turn towards each other's bids, that, that, that hear each other and respond to that validation and affirmation are the ones, yes, that continue to go on. And I've found that this is in all relationships as well, and not just romantic relationships. We want to share the world with people that we care about. And, and when we don't get that reciprocity, you know, coming back, then it just makes us kind of like, you know, you know, fall down. Like 
And mm -hmm. also like, look, I have, my wife knows nothing about video games and that's totally fine. And I don't expect her to, or want her to. It's not one of the things, reasons we got together. I have a friend that's a former roommate that I haven't seen in 15 years, 12 years, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. we talk weekly and send each other memes about it, you know, because that's our emotional regulation in that side. And, you know, within the relationship, we have it on this side. And I also think it, and again, you and I have talked about this at length too, how important it is for men to validate other men. Um, because if you're a guy and all your entire emotional regulation is, you know, needed from this, the woman in your life, then that's going to be exhausting for her. And frankly, no, no one can stand up to, to supporting two people's emotional capabilities. Um, and this, this comes into play also with the whole incel movement and things in that, you know, so to speak, the average man hasn't been hugged or complimented in months. And so when a woman looks at him and says, thank you very much, he's so starved for attention that he looks at that as romantic interest. Um, and doesn't understand the nuances and subtleties and emotional intelligence or dating IQ or however you want to put it of all that, which then creates that, you know, there's the phrase like, don't friend zone people. Well, I've heard it said the reverse, like don't girlfriend zone people. Like I thought I had a friend for two years and I poured my heart out and we shared laughs and, and, and wonderful times. And I was so happy to have him. And then he tried to move on me and I turned him down and then he, you know, completely disappeared mm -hmm. like how hurtful mm -hmm. and depressing mm -hmm. that has got to be for the poor woman that didn't realize that she was even in in that position as well too so for everybody that's listening out there we need to compliment each other we need to validate each other um and we need to affirm each other and there's a difference between um complimenting and affirming compliment can be taken as insincere or generic or you're doing great you know that's but i think like the affirmations or validations are when it's more specific like you just got promoted i'm so proud of you you've worked hard you wanted to you've worked on this for so long and i'm really proud that you got there that's making someone feel good about themselves i think which is a, a little a little higher you know than 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 compliments um but we don't necessarily know how to do it as well because we don't know what buttons to push for each other's pleasure centers um because we don't really know what makes each other work so you know that's so that's why i find reading all of these studies is so fascinating too because aside from just learning all this stuff once you understand the machinations of going on inside the machine it's a lot easier to kind of figure out how to direct it or 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 at least be understand um, the forces at play so you can try to be you know, forewarned. Um, so what made you want to start writing books about this topic? Well, that's a good question. First of all, I should say that it is the small things and it's all about the small little things rather than the big mm -hmm. things. So I totally agree with you in that. And it leads to happiness, but it also leads to all of our relationships staying together over time. And even for parents and children, even for me as a professor and my mm -hmm. students to recognize and see and not take 
for granted. My students and my kids and my friends, as you said, so important. So why did I start translating all of this great, rich data and information from the Early Years of Marriage Project? Well, it was in 2004, many moons ago. Um, I realized that I was writing all of these academic journal articles and academic books, and nobody was really reading about the great findings from this study, except my colleagues in academia mm-hmm. at the university. And that was wonderful. I don't want to dismiss that. I love it when my colleagues read my work. But I really wanted real people and real relationships to read the information and implement and include and do what I was finding. And I also realized that my husband, now who I've been married for for 30 years, even wasn't reading my journal articles. So I said, okay. I have to change and do something different. So I still publish in academic journals and write academic books. But what I love even more lately is, as you said, translating and disseminating the work in public books and presentations and media articles and and TV um, and having people go, oh, wow. I can like science, and I can use science because mm-hmm. science should be fun. It should be, and, you know and so I should dating, honestly, it. too. You know, good point. Good point. <laughs> so should dating. Yeah. So that's why I decided to become the love doctor. Um, and you know, I hired a publicist way back at the beginning who are consultant and she said nobody's going to listen to professor terry orbach so you have to call yourself something different which is why i coined myself the love doctor and ever since have been the love doctor as well uh, branding is important it it helps Mm -hmm. get that that message out definitely um so what um what are some other things like I know that the study's so large and like I said that we could talk about it, but what are some other things mm-hmm. in it that you think people need to hear that could impact each other's daily lives? Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, like mm-hmm. you said, it's sometimes it's hard to read. You go, great, n equals three hundred and seventy-three. I don't know what that means and and exactly. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you could hear something and the average listener or watcher can implement that like almost immediately like what what are some things you know within it again that that you find interesting or that might be on the easier side of implementation other than like long therapy sessions right exactly and i'm gonna stay with that couples for a few more minutes and then we can always get to the singles and group partnering and dating but it has to do with the topic of communication. And if you ask anybody, everybody thinks, oh, yes, communication is important. And even we ask all the couples, are you communicating with your partner or spouse? And everybody said yes. But when we look into it further, what people think communication is as a couple, especially if you're living and married to that partner, it's asking about, you know, who's going to pick up the kids after school or pay the bills or call mom or do the dishwasher or get the groceries. And what we found is that that's not communication. What real communication is, which is important to happiness and the stability staying together, is talking about your dreams, your goals, your aspirations, or your stressors. So what we decided 
to do with the couples um, were some exercises, and we found that this is what was important, is talking to your partner every single day about something other than these four topics. Work, family or your children, who's going to do what around the house, or your relationship. And so if you can spend at least 20 minutes every single day talking about something other than those four topics, you are absolutely then doing real communication. And that's what will really influence your happiness and stay together over time. And that can be even double so for parents when it sometimes it's almost like two executive assistants coming together. Yeah. Um one of my friends said when he first, you know, and they had their two kids that um, right now their job was parent.co. And like, mm -hmm. we'll get back to our mm -hmm. sort of like, we'll get back to our own relationship at, mm -hmm. you know, at, at a given point. But right now we have to focus on making sure that we, you know, do this parenting thing uh, as well as we possibly could. And I think it makes sense, honey, because, you know, when you are a parent and both of us are, you put your relationship on the back burner and you focus on your kids. But what I have found in this study is that you don't want to do that. Yes, focus on your kids. They are so But not important. to the and lack of. Yes. You want to take that relationship off of the back burner and continue to talk and do real communication. So when your kids go to bed or early in the morning, just spend 10 minutes talking about something other than those four topics. And what I found is that when couples do that, even as parents, even as infants, or, you know, even parents who have infants or adolescents, you know, you are significantly more likely to stay together and happier over time. So 10 minutes, that all, that's all it takes, Hunt. 10 minutes and it takes day. a little bit of practice sometimes. If you're, if it's not mm -hmm. what you're normally used to, you might just be looking at each other going, what, what do we, we talk about? about? I found myself a little bit guilty of this. Um, not so much with my wife, but one of the services that I do sometimes is go on what's called mock dates. I'll go on with someone's mm -hmm. client and just sit and chat with them so they can get an idea of, you know, what it's like. And I can see what their strengths and weaknesses are, but I can't talk about my job. I can't okay. talk about my wife. I can't talk about my mm -hmm. kids. I can't talk about mm -hmm. my house. And so I, even I found myself being there like, have you seen any Marvel movies? Like, I'm like, shit, like I've gotten boring. I know, well, you know, when I give this information or this advice in workshops with couples, about half of the couples say, 10 minutes, that's all we have to do, right? But the other half say exactly what you're mentioning is, what am I going to talk about? And I always say, yes, you can talk about movies and music and shows on Netflix, but you can also talk about some of those questions that you used to ask your partner when you were first dating. Like, you know, what do you do on a Saturday, right? What does a Saturday look like for you? We won the lottery. Like this is a book yes. that I like too. just kind of get back to, mm -hmm. too, because you may have forgotten your value systems a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, or, mm -hmm. or they have changed over the course mm -hmm. of your relationship mm -hmm. as well, too. Do you have mm -hmm. favorite questions that 
Yes. My favorite question is, if you won the lottery, oh, yeah. where would you travel to? And why? Mm -hmm. I... Another favorite question, and this comes from, you know, Art Aaron's 36 questions mm -hmm. that bond or lead to intimacy, is if you could have dinner with anyone dead or alive, who would you have dinner with or who would you have a meal with? And you get so much information from your partner that you didn't know mm -hmm. already. I love those questions. Sometimes my, you know, my husband and I, after 30, yeah, 30 years, I just think about that for a second, 30 years, we'll sit down and use those 36 questions and ask one another. And, you know, we've done this 20 years ago, we've done this 10 years ago, but, you know, we all change. Yeah. And that's okay as long as we still connect, as long as we still are interested and ask those, like you said, hard questions again and again and get to know each other. Now, how do you think COVID affected everything? And I know that that's a huge question. And that, mm -hmm. again, we'll be piecing this apart for the rest of our lives, at least you and me. But mm -hmm. like with all of this sort of struggle with intimacy or struggle with couples, like what data is coming in now from the last three plus years? Well, such a good question. First of all, I think the data show that unlike what we thought, COVID, pandemic, isolation, did not lead to the divorce rates going up. Yes, it led to conflict and disagreements and people redefining of their relationships. It did not lead to the instability that we thought it would. Second, I think it led to people understanding that differences do exist between me and my partner. Because those differences in a home and in a apartment were more apparent, were more seen. Whether they were differences in terms of how we handle stress, differences in what we should do all day, Differences in the need for space, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we didn't know because people were leaving the home, leaving the apartments. But all of a sudden, two people were in the apartment, in the home all day, 24-7. And we didn't realize, you know, I need a little space. But that's good. Space, time for self, is good for a relationship. Yeah, yeah. And then I think finally it led to the notion of how do we, my partner and I, handle and resolve those differences. And yeah, that's really you couldn't, you couldn't so important. Leave the house. You couldn't go out with the boys or the girls. Mm -hmm. And so we have to resolve our conflict, our differences, our disagreements. And as you know, Hunt, one of the things that I write a lot about is that it's not conflict or disagreements that leads to breaking up or unhappiness. There were 12 couples in my study, neither one, who said, we never fight, we never have conflict. None of those couples were still together mm -hmm. in year three. Mm -hmm. So it's not about whether or not you have conflict, disagreements, or differences, because we all do. It's inevitable in a romantic relationship or in any relationship. Right? Yeah. It's how you resolve and handle and manage those and, differences. And like you said too, because you and I know specifically what cultures fall under those conflicts and non-conflicts too. 
I come from the waspy Northeast where you don't mm -hmm. deal with conflicts. It's about the, obviously I'm overgeneralizing, oversimplifying, but it's about the mm -hmm. perception. It doesn't matter if you actually mm -hmm. have issues, as long as you don't show anybody mm -hmm. and you sweep them under mm -hmm. the rug and present yourself a nice facade. Whereas mm -hmm. in other uh, communities, that is not the case. I married a Latina. Right. And in mm -hmm. our first big fight, uh, she threw a beer can and I cried. And then we realized that our communication styles weren't, weren't <laughs> quite on the same path. <laughs> so we figured out how to, you know, find a way so that we're both communicating, you know, at the same point. Um, so yeah, I think, I mean, it takes, it definitely takes some time to figure out how that, that, that communication style works too. She and I, mm -hmm. to me, luckily, both had been in therapy individually before we had met mm -hmm. each other. So we sort of came in with some of that communication style, mm -hmm. like say I statements and not you mm -hmm. statements. Mm -hmm. um, right. You know, am I here for venting or advice? You know, learning mm -hmm. how to be there in the correct way for each other. Mm -hmm. and, and it's mm -hmm. unfortunate that it isn't, these interpersonal relationships are not taught well, if at all. Mm -hmm. right. uh, there was actually That's a, a recent study out of England, study N34, so more like a, a survey. But mm -hmm. um, talking to high school kids about how they would like interpersonal, which leads to then dating education in school itself. Because if you don't mm -hmm. know how to deal with each other and communicate effectively at any level, then that's going to affect all of your relationships, including um, your romantic relationships. So I actually have been talking to two researchers here in the U.S. about seeing if the three of us could try to replicate that um, mm. here in the States to start basically because it is, in my opinion, it has become a national mm -hmm. health epidemic. The, you know, mm -hmm. the suicide rates of men are up. There's mm -hmm. incels going mm -hmm. on shooting sprees and mass killings. Like mm -hmm. this is mm -hmm. not just a soft skills discussion anymore. This is mm -hmm. a, we as a society mm -hmm. need to figure out a way to move forward in a, in a better way. And, mm -hmm. you know, go ahead, please. Well, my, my third book is called Secrets to Surviving Your Children's Love oh, Relationships, yeah, right. which is so similar to what mm -hmm. you're saying. And that is, as parents, we need to set the stage and help our kids with their love relationships. Mm -hmm. And I talk a lot about the data from this study in terms of parents and another study that I did, which says and suggests that as parents, we need to have those conversations with our kids about relationships of all kinds, as you mentioned, not only love relationships, but friendships and family relationships and relationships or interactions with teachers mm -hmm. and other authorities. And talk to them about these relationships. But just as important, hun, is for parents to have and show good relationships in front of their children. So one of the things I talk about, which is very controversial, most parents think, <laughs> what I found, is that they should not have conflict in front of their children. And they should do it at or the Or the let's know. stay together for the children type yes. thing, which... That backfires. Absolutely. And... Backfires completely. And we know the research on that. 
So I discuss and talk about the research that shows when you have conflict in front of your children and then resolve it well, they learn that relationships are about disagreements mm-hmm. and differences and conflict. Otherwise, as a therapist, I see young adults who come in and say, you know, my partner and I just had a fight or a conflict or a disagreement. We're not known for each other. And merely because they had the disagreement. Mm-hmm. So it's only because as parents, they never, I mean, as kids, they never saw their parents argue, have disagreements, or resolve any of that conflict. So, yes, I think in the schools, I would love that. I, I teach at the university mm-hmm. interpersonal relationships earlier. It's needed oh, elementary And it should, country. in a perfect world, be coming from the home. But then if we look at yes. the incorrect statistic, but one just for the half of all marriages end in divorce, that means half of the kids, plus, we're not talking about the unhappy relationships that are still, are getting information that isn't helpful to them at all and could be right. harmful to them right. and so that was right. that is an argument for like yeah in a part like i i agree i want i wish that there were more mm-hmm. modeling of good behaviors and things like that too mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. one of my fantasies is to tie mm-hmm. counseling in with uh med medicine for all free medicaid mm-hmm. like you right. know like okay men you can pay for your own insurance or you can get free mm-hmm. insurance if you have a mental health check-in once a year you know or yes. couples you can you know, pay for insurance or you get it for free if you go to get the counseling because what do most people say? Like, I don't need it. I don't I don't think right. it's effective. I don't need it or I can't. I'm, I'm shamed in a way that if I do seek help from others, anybody, that somehow there's something wrong yep. with me. And, and like you, I think that everyone should avail themselves to counseling therapy or seeking self-help in some mm-hmm. way. It can be a religious advisor. It can be another kind of advisor. But it's great to be able to talk to somebody for a long period of time all about you mm-hmm. and not even have to ask mm-hmm. a question. And learn strategies to feel better about ourselves, for our mental health, and for our relationships. And I should also say, Hunt, that even if you're a parent and you're listening to this, and you are not currently with your children's biological parent, other parent, you can still model having healthy yep. relationships. It can be with the server at a restaurant or the barista at a coffee shop or your neighbor, Mm -hmm. that it's important as a parent or as a grandparent or as another family member to model happy, healthy relationship behaviors with all of the people. And I get this too, uh, back to the stay together for the kids thing. Every Mm -hmm. former kid that I've spoken Mm -hmm. to whose parents did that said, I wish they didn't. Because I lived in Mm -hmm. a horrible household for 12 years. I would have loved, rather lived in two happy households as opposed to one bad household as well too uh and and yes there's a lot of research on um 
children of divorced parents out there yep. that has found that when children are living in conflictive households where the conflict doesn't get resolved mm-hmm. and there's animosity mm-hmm. and hate mm-hmm. and name calling going on between two parents, that those kids have a much more difficult time adjusting for relationships, mm-hmm. um, that thing as well in schools mm-hmm. than kids whose parents divorce. And I've also heard so, from, from from former kids to that watching their parent date gave them a healthy mm-hmm. template on how to date in the future. Because a lot of parents mm-hmm. think that they may have to hide their new dating life from their kids for, for obvious mm-hmm. reasons and obviously mm-hmm. their age-appropriate conversations that should and can happen all along this but some people say i don't want to date until my kids are out or i'm just going to focus on mm-hmm. only my kids or my kid is my life and you know that mm-hmm. can end up being codependent and that and not healthy in, in that way too and this can give you a literal way to show them how to date to show the ups mm-hmm. and downs to show how we uh, you know, treat ourselves in the dating world as well too. So they, you know, I've heard a lot of times, like I was happy that my parents were up because then I also got to see correct relationship behavior modeled in mm-hmm. front of me. So I think that's, you know, Absolutely. another, I won't say silver lining, but it is another aspect um, that can come out that you can teach your child about firsthand. I mean, wouldn't you rather make the dating mistakes yourself so your kid can learn from them rather than <laughs> having to watch them make them? What interesting discussions you can and conversations yeah. you can then have with your child about what we looking for you and me now in a good partner and what's really important mm-hmm. for a happy, healthy yeah. relationship. And as we're just talking about dating, I should mention also that my project, the Early Years of Marriage project, that same project that we've been talking about, has found a lot of great information about what's important for dating and finding a new partnership. And I think the number one important thing is to let go of all that emotional baggage that's connected. Easier said than done. Yeah. Easier said than done, Hunt. Easier said than done. And I provide lots of great strategies in my book, Finding Love Again. Six simple steps to a new and happy relationship. But when you have emotional baggage, either positive, I still want that person back in my life. I'm still pining away for that person. I'm thinking about them. Or negative, I'm so upset or angry. That person is significantly less likely to find the right new happy, healthy relationship for them. So clean neutral. Even as I say it, I breathe heavily. Which is one strategy. To focus on your breathing and let go of the anger or the desire is significantly, you know, is significantly important. It's it's to it's, that it's foundationally important. Like you have to, yes, you have to let it out. You have to let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, that's part of my job too as a coach. Is I get a lot of people that after a certain time are cynical or bitter or jaded about it. And one of the things I say to them, like, if you're Apollo or, or, or Aphrodite walked in right now 
would you be able to earn them like in the headspace mm -hmm. that you are right now? And so sort of mm -hmm. unlearning all of that mm -hmm. stuff is, is, is a large part of this process too. Like most of dating is Absolutely. mental, which is great. Mm -hmm. And it's horrible. It's great because it means you're in full control of it. And it's horrible because it means you're in full control of it. So it's yes. learning to get ourselves out of our own way. That is most of, and this is in, you know, when I say dating too, it's meeting new people. It's the same, same skill set as just getting out there, making mm -hmm. friends, meeting people, mm -hmm. connecting mm -hmm. on a, on a deeper mm -hmm. level. Um, and I think that one thing that COVID has done for us too, better or worse is, is whittled away that which is unimportant and helped us mm -hmm. focus on that, what, sure. which is important, whatever mm -hmm. that is for you. It might be two conflicting right. things for different people, but you know, and also, as you know, too, like brushes with death lead to thoughts of sex and love because they're, they're really close. I mean, mm -hmm. they're, they're the two biggest things in life, staying alive and making kids, you know, they're two biggest drivers mm -hmm. in our, in our mm -hmm. old biological brain. So, you know, I have mm -hmm. found too now that there's a lot more pushback against the digital, that people are just getting frustrated with everything out there, mm -hmm. even before COVID mm -hmm. and then add to COVID and people don't know how to balance that out anymore because there's a lot of research into the, 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 the disappearance of the third place, the um, place that isn't work or home that you congregate and meet people that it used to be the village mm -hmm. green. It used to be the Elks club, right. the union halls, rotary knitting circles, libraries, libraries like community centers. Exactly. And, yes. and since those are mm -hmm. fall and all of those are in steep decline, um, and a lot of us are getting mm -hmm. what we ask for in the work from home or the hybrid options, mm -hmm. we're getting what we ask for, not what we need necessarily, because that's great if you, I love right. working from home, but I know that I have to consciously counterbalance that mm -hmm. with, mm -hmm going out and being more social to, to balance that out as well, mm -hmm. too. And that's one thing I noticed um, during the pandemic. There's one study I like, the minimal interactions, social interactions with strangers leads to greater well-being. But basically, it comes down mm -hmm. to, like, mm -hmm. if I see Absolutely. you and I smile at you and you smile at me, that makes me feel happy. Mm -hmm. um, and it's this... Mm -hmm. That's that affirmation exactly. again. Exactly. Because I noticed you. Yep. I see you. And even, even like you're on a bus and you see an old lady trip mm -hmm. and you see a mm -hmm. young ute come and pick her up mm -hmm. and help her. And I look over at my seatmate, mm -hmm. who is whoever, and we mm -hmm. smile at each other, mm -hmm. look back and just kind of nod at each other. Our joy was lifted up. We saw benevolence yes. and we had a rapport over mm -hmm. that without any mm -hmm. real interaction, if you will. And we lost all of that mm -hmm. during COVID. We lost mm -hmm. at all of that. Though, and we realized how much it actually does take a village to raise an individual, not even a kid. Like we needed that. Right. Um, we, like we are physiologically built to be in communities. And so Absolutely. we had to get through this lack of community. And I think that, like I said, too, like we're realizing that I think most people are lonely and they don't know how to change that um, because even if they knew how to do it, they may feel they lack the skills to it or it's too vulnerable for them. Um, I realized I didn't have as many guy friends as I would want and I know you mm -hmm. know guys mm -hmm. and you can't okay. at 40 year old just walk up to a guy and be like, hey, want to be friends? Mm -hmm. 
So mm -hmm. I started a dad's group because mm -hmm. that was oh, a way to get in, you know? So mm -hmm. no, we're just there for the kids. And mm -hmm. this past weekend mm -hmm. I had a dad's group and 20 men that had never met each other all showed up in the wow. same room at the same time with their kids mm -hmm. and all kids supplies. That mm -hmm. itself takes a lot of effort. So you can see, right. you know, I, as a man, I see a lot yes. of the men's side too. And that like, there's men are having a lot of problems right now. One mm -hmm. of them being there's a lack of support amongst ourselves and validations and affirmations with each other. And so it just made me feel like a, uh, I don't know, like a giddy school marm walking around, seeing like all these men exchanging phone numbers and talking about like hanging out and, you know, their kids playing together. And it felt mm -hmm. nice to be able to offer this service to people too, because I like, even before I got into the matchmaking and the dating, it was all about, I love people. I like, mm -hmm. what do you need? Right. What do you want? I know someone else. Let's put you, the two of you together so you can both be happy and go off. I love the idea of that dad's group. I love men's groups. I love man dating, which are men dating each other, even in a non-romantic sense. Mm -hmm. I think the first step, as you mentioned, Hunto, is for men and women to identify that relationships are important. And the pandemic proved us that, as you mm -hmm. said. Relationships are important to our physical health and our psychological health. Mm -hmm. And when you realize that, most study after study, even before the pandemic, we knew that people are less anxious, they're less depressed, they're more optimistic, but they're also more likely to sleep better, less headaches, go to the doctor, they're more likely to exercise and eat well. I mean, everything is better when you have relationships yep. of all kinds yep. in your yep. life. And so identifying and that being the first step that you need relationships is so important. So anyone out there, Hunt, who doesn't have the friends yet or is trying to figure out how, the first step is just saying to yourself, yes, I want relationships, people, <sighs> socialness in my life. Yeah, there was a uh, one of the gentlemen that I talked to on this very podcast named Fedor Gaskin mm -hmm. works for the uh, deep, deep, forget exactly what deep, deep living or something like that program. Mm -hmm. And basically, um, the data shows that loneliness and poor mental health will kill you quicker than smoking. Like if more yeah, years exactly. off of your body than smoking. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it, I, I do like the fact that we more research is being like pointed that this is this is a this is a physical need, and that if we mm -hmm. don't have this, we'll die earlier than all these things we're, we're working on fighting like smog and smoking and exercise and heart mm -hmm. disease and things like that as well too. Mm -hmm. It's just a lot harder to focus yes. on because it's a little bit more nebulous and and so you know I hope that like we can figure out ways of moving forward because the data is a little bit scary about what's out there right now. I think it's not nebulous, though. I would argue that it's very clear and very easy, and there are data sets out there that show, like you're suggesting and indicating, that when you have unhappy, unhealthy relationships or none, you are significantly more likely to die mm -hmm. earlier. We know that as a fact. And data set after data set, study after study, shows that that is the case. So there are data out there, there are studies out there, and we can study um, 
interpersonal relationships, friendships, romantic relationships, parent-child relationships, just like we can study smoking behavior, mm-hmm. you know, nutrition, three behaviors, and how they impact our health. And that the relationship front and data are number one for our health and well-being. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. See that, everybody? Uh, relationships are vital to our health in every possible measure. So, mm-hmm. you know, even like, as you were saying, too, from weak ties to strong ties to, to you know, your family, mm-hmm. all of these play a part in, in our own mental mm-hmm. well-being. Mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. we have better mental well-being, we're more at peace, mm-hmm. which makes it easier to find someone else that is also... Mm-hmm at peace and and has good well-being then hopefully then you can you know meet up and share the rest of your lives together so well i am conscious yes. of your time and the time of our listeners <laughs> so i will wrap this up and i know like we said like you and i have had multi-hour conversations on this just you know because there's an infinite amount of things to discuss um, and hopefully we can chat about this again sometime soon. And hopefully we'll get to Good see each other again sometime soon because it has been far too long. Um, actually, it's only been a little over. Oh, it was before COVID. It was right before COVID. At before the, COVID, yes. Yeah, so, so, so I hope so. I, I would love to talk more and hopefully we will meet each other in person soon. Oh, that I have no doubt. So why don't you tell everybody where to find you, follow you, your books and et cetera. Well, my website is Dr. Terry, D-R-T-E-R-R-I, thelovedoctor.com. It's all one word, Dr. Terry, thelovedoctor.com. And on my website, you can find my three popular books, one on relationships, long-term relationships, one on finding love again, and one on how parents can uh, survive their children's love relationships. Um and I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, and I'm on Twitter. I can't remember all of them. Dr. Jerry Love Doctor is my name. On so all not of only do I have this, Just I have it you. flagged. I have stuff underlined in it and dog-eared. That's the thing on how to keep your relationship happy. It's for real if you're in a good relationship, a good relationship, or a great relationship to take it to the next Dude. level. Simple, easy, practical steps to take it to the next level. Awesome. Well, you have a Thanks, fantastic man. rest of your day and week. And uh, it was just such a pleasure talking to you. And I always get such a high after talking to you. I can go around walking around my house now, like, we're going to save the world and educate everybody. <laughs> Um, so thank you for coming, uh, again, and I look forward to speaking to you soon. Thanks, Hunt. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Hunt for Relationship Science. If you like what you heard here and you'd like to learn more, please check out my articles and videos at huntforadvice.com. You can also follow me at Quest for Advice on Instagram, as well as find me on LinkedIn. And please follow all of our guests as well find their information in the liner notes. I'm Hunt, signing off, changing the world one smile at a time.